Welcome to this episode of Mentors at Your Benchside, the podcast giving you advice, tips and tools for getting the most out of your research. I'm Thomas Warwick and today I'll be talking to you about correctly using and caring for your pH meter. Did you know how to use a pH meter correctly? The pH meter might be the least understood and most abused piece of equipment in the lab. Why such neglect? Probably because the pH meter is an undercover agent from chemistry and only a rare biologist likes chemistry. A neglected pH meter means less reliable experiments, poor reproducibility and your time wasted. Let us then get past our prejudice and learn how to use a pH meter in four simple steps. We'll also learn quite a bit about the design and function of pH meters. How does a pH meter work? We can only do a half-baked job of looking after any piece of equipment unless we understand how it works. So how does a pH meter work? Well, they're complicated, but you don't need an engineer's understanding of them to look after and use them. There's a handy schematic pH meter figure in the corresponding online article, so be sure to check it out. However, in a nutshell, they work something like this. The glass probe of the pH meter contains two electrodes, a reference electrode and a conductor electrode. The reference electrode never comes into contact with our test solutions, unless the pH meter is of the single junction type, which I'll come to later. It has a stable and constant electrical potential. A conductor electrode is usually immersed in saturated three molar potassium chloride. It does come into contact with our test solutions through a porous membrane in which it is housed. Two more crucial points. One, the potassium chloride solution is conductive and has a neutral pH of seven. Two, the porous membrane is selective towards hydrogen ions. When the conductor electrode is dipped into our test solution, ion exchange takes place through the porous membrane. That is to say, because our test solution and the saturated potassium chloride have a different pH, and because the porous membrane permits the passage of hydrogen ions through it, hydrogen ions move to or from the test solution until equilibrium is achieved. Remember, pH is a measure of hydrogen cation concentration. The accumulation or vacation of hydrogen ions from the conductor electrode changes its chemical potential. The chemical potential of the conductor electrode is measured and compared to the chemical potential of the reference electrode. And the difference in chemical potential between the two electrodes is called their potential difference. And the potential difference can be converted to pH using the Nernst equation. Now we know how pH meters work, let's learn how to look after a pH meter in four steps. Number one, take care of the pH meter probe. The pH meter probe should never dry out. Should the probe dry out, it will break or at least become unreliable. I once had a run of unsuccessful yeast transformations because the pH meter was wrong by 0.2. Don't let this travesty happen to you. You can refill the pH meter probe with saturated potassium chloride, but be sure to confirm that the pH meter still works by measuring the pH of several reference solutions that you know the pH of. To prevent the solution inside the probe from leaking and or evaporating, the probe should be stored in a solution of three molar potassium chloride. It should not be stored in H2O and especially not distilled H2O because we need the conductive potassium chloride solution. Dialyzing it all away is not good. And as a side note, tris base and proteins may shorten the lifespan of your pH meter. Why is this? Well, there are two types of pH meters, single junction types and double junction types. Double junction versions are designed such that our test solution never comes into contact with the solution in which the reference electrode is immersed. 
For single junction versions, this is not the case. Our test solution will come into contact with silver chloride. And it's important to note that the solution in which the reference electrode is immersed is silver chloride, not potassium chloride. Unfortunately, Trispace reacts with silver cations to produce junction blocking precipitates. So in fact, do a lot of proteins. And a block junction means a poorly pH meter. So double check what type of pH meter is in your lab before using it. But in summary, don't use single junction pH meters with Trispace buffers or protein solutions. Number two. Calibrate your pH meter often. You calibrate the spectrophotometer each time you measure the optical density of a microbial culture using a blank. You calibrate a spectrophotometer before every measurement, in fact. The same should be done with a pH meter. Calibrating a pH meter is done using calibration solutions that have an accurately known pH. The process should be performed every time you use the instrument or at least every morning that the pH meter will be used. The calibration solutions are usually pH 4, 7 and 10. You can even buy little calibration tablets that dissolve in a known volume of water to make the calibration solutions. Calibrate the pH meter with at least two different solutions encompassing the final desired pH of your solutions. Better yet, calibrate it with all three. Number three, use your pH meter correctly. Since the probe should always be wet, when you pH your solution, you have two choices. Either you keep the probe submerged in your solution during pHing, or you take the probe out, wash it in deionized water, blot it gently with paper, put it in the storage solution, and wash it again before putting it back into your solution. The first choice is fine, but care must be taken while using a magnetic stirrer not to smash the probe. A medical student in our lab smashed the probe to pieces during their first day. Not an auspicious start. Number four, beware physical chemistry exists. Always pH your solutions at the temperatures at which you intend to use them. Why so? Because pH is temperature dependent. Furthermore, diluting strong acids into water is usually considerably exothermic. Your solution will usually warm up by a few degrees. This will change its pH. And as I just said, pH is temperature dependent. So, once your test solution cools, it will have a different pH than the one you measured. So be patient, allow it to cool, or actively cool it with some ice before scribbling the pH value on the Falcon tube. Try not to use really concentrated acids to pH your solutions. They tend to change the pH of most solutions suddenly. So suddenly, you can overshoot easily, and we all love starting again when we're already sweating in latex gloves and just want to go home. And always add diluted acid to your test solution and not the other way around. Dilution of acids is strongly exothermic, as already mentioned. Diluting the acid into your water-based solution, which is present in large excess, means there's plenty of water to soak up the heat that is liberated. Conversely, adding drops of water to a strong acid may generate enough heat to boil the water and spray it over you. Physics also exists, so leave just enough spare volume for adding acid or base to your solution unless you want to start all over again. What do you do when crystals form on the pH meter? It's a common enough occurrence. You come to the pH meter and it's bejeweled with rock-hard crystals. Those crystals are potassium chloride and they form when the potassium chloride solution evaporates. Here's what to do. Gently scrape off any external crystals, soak the probe in warm water to dissolve the crystals, refill the probe with three molar potassium chloride, check the function of the probe by measuring the pH of calibration solutions. And that's it for maintaining and using a pH meter correctly. Check out the episode description for links to related articles and resources 
And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to get more help and advice from mentors at your benchside. Are you always on the go, but still seeking valuable insights to advance your research? Well, look no further than Listen In, the podcast from Bite Size Bio that offers the benefits of webinars in a portable format. With webinars featuring leading researchers and commercial specialists discussing techniques like CRISPR-Cas9 and microscopy. With Listen In, you can tap into their expertise and drive your research project forward efficiently and productively, no matter where you are. Visit bitesizebio.com forward slash podcasts or search for Listen In in your podcast app to subscribe.